Yes, it is a little family bunch tonight, but that's good. That's okay. Uh, the Lord gave me this message by myself. So if only one other person hears it, it's still good, right? Amen. And I would be honored as a donkey if God, if the Lord would use me. <laughs> that would be, I, would, I mean, if the, Lord would, if the Lord wanted to use me one time, it would be an honor to me. If the Lord didn't want to use me, but wanted me to be an assistant to someone else, that would be an honor to me. Any way that he wants to use me, anyhow, any way it looks, it doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> um, but anyway, <clears throat> tonight's message is called uh, By Peace and Discomfort. It's something that's, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, if you've heard me preach before, the Lord just continues to give me the same kind of stuff. It deals with me in the same way, but he gives me different perspectives on things. And the more experience I have, he just continues to bring it out. But we'll see if we can get into some good stuff tonight. Um, praise God. We're going to start in Exodus 4, 10 through 17. Of course, we all know Exodus is somewhere around the beginning of the Bible, so... We can find that pretty quickly, maybe. <laughs> 410. Okay. And that says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to, said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes mute the deaf and seeing of the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with your mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take his rod in your hand, and with which you shall do signs. So, of course, we see this is where the Lord has <coughs> approached uh, Moses to let him know he's the one that's going to lead the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. And, and, of course, we see Moses was a little bit taken back by that, that request. Um, anyway, all too often, I believe, we, we as Christians, we fall into the rut of, uh, of believing that we're not good enough, we're not able, we lack the talent, we lack the strength, we lack the smarts to do, uh, to do, to, to do what God has for us. And truth be told, none of us are good enough to do that. None of us are, 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 are um, talented enough. None of us are smart enough. Um, the truth, the truth of this realization that we possess human inability in relation to the plans that he has for us is not a reason for us to perpetuate some idea, though, that we'll never measure up or we will never be good enough for God's use. So, so Moses wasn't wrong for understanding that he wasn't, didn't have the ability, but he was a little bit off on the fact that he didn't understand and he should have understood, and he, I believe he did. He was just... He was a little bit nervous that the person who was calling him to this had a lot more to do with what you know he couldn't do, but you know I think we all a lot of times we fall into that that category, and if and and on top of that if God wanted to accomplish whatever God wanted to accomplish on this earth he wouldn't need us anyway he could do it all on his own, you know, um, he could do it he could do it without us. However, in the Bible I believe I've touched on this several times before in the Bible all through the Bible. He's never done it that way. He's never just pushed mankind aside, men and women. 
He's always wanted to use them. He's never pushed them aside and said, I'll do this. Right. You know, you've known that person. You've played on sports team with them or you went to school with them. Oh, I'll do it. They always, want, they always wanted to do it. They never wanted you to be part of it. Or they just wanted the glory. God isn't about <coughs> achieving the glory on his own. He gets the glory when he uses us, and that's what his desire is, as, as, you know, as he uses vet. So, so if he wanted to, he could get it all done. So that anyway, does that mean because we uh, <coughs> get hung up on our inability at times that we are bad Christians? Of course not. Of course not. doesn't mean that at all. And, and we see that Moses, he was a little bit hung up on what he thought was an inability, but we know he wasn't bad. We know God admired him for his meekness. He was actually you know, highly esteemed by the Lord for his meekness. So we know it doesn't mean we're bad when we get hung up in that inability. Um, this is going to take us to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, which I know is another verse that I touch on frequently, but it's, it, it, it says so much. It says so much. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Praise God. Um, that says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This, uh, reading this, you know, immediately came to me as I was reading this. And if God is, is, if God is the one who is calling us and putting it upon our hearts, that which he has for us, then I don't believe, and maybe this is just my opinion, but I believe if he's calling it to us and his hot thoughts are higher than it, but I don't believe it was ever on our hearts until he put it there. So if we fall into this rut where we think we're unable to do something he's called us to, that's because we never thought of it. It was, be, it was beyond our thought, you know. It never had entered our hearts until he put it there. So it, you almost could say it was a surprise. Of course, we seek the Lord and we look for that. But even when we look for him and he gives us something that's it's still like, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> you know, the, word, the word is truth and the word says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are his ways our ways but rather his thoughts are much higher than ours. So they're, so they're out of reach of our independent comprehension. We can't, under, we can't comprehend his thoughts or ways without him. That's right. And we never had them. They have, um, his, the, the, his thoughts, ways, plans have no origin with us. They, they've never started in us. They, they, they were never there to begin with until he put them there. So when they seem foreign or they surprise us, I don't mean foreign like we shouldn't know because we, 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 we fellowship with the Lord. We pray, we read his words, so we know his character, but his, because his thoughts are higher, they never truly enter our hearts until he puts them there because we can't do it. We, can't, we, couldn't, we couldn't come up with those on our own. We couldn't come up with that on our own. You've heard people say, I couldn't come up with that if I tried. Well, when it comes to God's thought, you couldn't come up with it if you tried either. You do know he has a general plan, but what it looks like is way beyond your comprehension. So, so when we fall into that, oh, I don't think I can do that. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. But once again, we didn't come up with it. He did. So apparently he has another plan that goes along with, with our inability. Yeah. It's only our willingness that, get, that, that, gave, him the, that, that gave us that, that, that opportunity to do what he wanted us to do because if we weren't willing, he wouldn't have gave it to us. Or he would if we just would have walked, it away, walked away, you know. If, the, if Moses didn't, you know, we see in a little roundabout way I get down there, he does it. But if he had just flat out said, Lord, I'm not doing it. Well, Moses would have probably never heard of him again and you'd have heard of... You've heard of 
whatever other name I could throw in there. Billy Bob over here. Yeah, he would be in the Bible in Exodus because he's the one who said, okay, I'm going to do it, God. You know, so, so yeah. Anyway, his thoughts, his ways, his plans had no origin with us. They no, not, uh, with our natural thoughts or our natural ways. And nothing, none, of, none of his thoughts originated there until he gives it to us. If we, you know, if, if we already knew his plans, which don't originate with us, but if we already knew them, then we could just go out and execute them. We probably wouldn't because they'd blow our minds because we'd see it all at once. But if we already had the list of them, we could just be like, okay, I'll just go do these. But we don't already have them. He has to give them to us. They don't originate with us. We could just go out, check them off the list. Oh, go, go to that job, apply there. Go to that place and reach those people. You know, if it was all on a list, you, know, you could just execute it. It would already be there. But we wouldn't need to be led that way. We wouldn't need to be led. And... Uh, Clearly, if we go to Romans 8.14, you can just bring that up, probably. It'll work. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So clearly we see that, I, bring, I, I reference this one a lot, too. God's got me stuck in some scriptures because they just, they just they ring, they ring with me daily, daily. Um, we clearly see that being led authenticates our relationship, our connection to God. It defines, or rather maybe refines, our position with Him. You know, so... If we if we didn't have that if we didn't need that that leading and that that definition of a position, then we'd probably just be like, well, after a while we'd be like, well, I know everything he wants, so he's kind of secondary, and I'll just take this list and do my thing. You know, you'd separate from him. You would. I know you would. I would. If you have to keep seeking him, you need to constantly. You know, we think we wouldn't, but we would. And that's not a rebuke. I'm not saying any of you guys are doing that. And, and not my place to, you know, I mean, I just think we all would have that natural ability to just forget. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> um, think about your teachers that taught you through high school and middle school. They, they did a great um, service to you and taught you. Do you remember them all? No. Did I learned that and then I'm, I'm going on. I don't, yeah, maybe a few of them you remember, the ones you thought were funny or whatnot. <laughs> you easily forget. Um, I believe this is a great faith scripture. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody else has seen it that way, but if you are willing to yield to the leading of the Spirit, we are trusting God. And what is trusting God? What is faith other than trusting God? And taking our place in relation to who He is and what He is to us and what He is in our life. So, I mean, that to me is a wonderful faith scripture. The entire Bible is a wonderful faith scripture. <laughs> but, you know, you can't... You, you can't preach the like Pastor Renee will say quite often, but you can't preach the whole Bible in one service, you know. So <laughs> you gotta kind of pick pick it out, and then you know that's what you got, and what you know. Um, anyway, by what Moses says in Exodus four ten, we can probably just go, I don't know, we're in uh, if we went to Romans and if you stayed in Exodus, but what he says in four ten, then Moses said to the Lord. Oh my God, Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Interesting here that we see that he probably wasn't sitting around pondering this, this idea of going back to Egypt and being the one who leads them out and tells Pharaoh how it is. He probably wasn't pondering that, so we know it had no origin in his mind. You know, because just by what he says, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't hanging around in... Uh, Midian there with his father-in-law thinking, one day, one day, maybe 40 years from now, I'm going to go. No, he wasn't. It was the last thing on his mind. Now, he rather seemed much against the idea, even to the extent of eloquently delivering a speech on how 
Not eloquent he was. You know, you know, I know there's translations, but if this, was even, if this is even close to what the, the original language says, that's pretty eloquent. Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow. That to me sounds like an educated person, but he's trying to say, I can't do this. You, you, you just did. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting, but no doubt Moses was praying and praying for his people and meditating on the things of God for 40 years as he served the shepherd of Midian for his father-in-law, Moses. Undoubtedly, he was a man of God. He was used mightily. So in all those 40 years, he wasn't um, prodigal. He didn't reject God. He was still serving God. He was a man of God. But he wasn't thinking about saving his people. He was praying for them, believing God would, and God did. <laughs> and God did have a plan, and it did. it did. But like I said, his thoughts are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than Moses' thoughts were, too. And Moses got a big surprise. Um, you know, but yeah, but leading the Israelites to freedom was a thought, a plan much higher than Moses's. You know, think about it. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for some 430 years, and Pharaoh was not a real sweet guy. So, so Moses was probably not, the, he let me first in line and go do this. <laughs> um, thank you, though. I just was thinking, when David went to take on um, Goliath, I, don't, I imagine he wasn't thinking about that before either. You know, I don't think it was in his mind, but when he, when the Lord put it there and David had witnessed Goliath coming against his people and speaking... He was, and I'm sure David felt a little uncomfortable, but he certainly didn't, didn't, he didn't do what Moses did at that, at that moment, reject it. He was just like, okay, the God's with me. Yeah, David wasn't perfect. He went along to do some things that God didn't lead him to do, but I don't think he was thinking about, oh, I'm going to go slay a giant one day. You know, he killed a bear and a lion, but that was something that rose in his life and he had to do at the moment. But yeah, interesting. I think, yeah, that's interesting. But uh, I wanted, uh, what was it say? Moses was probably thinking, Moses is not your guy for that job. That's probably the first thing on his mind. <clears throat> a few sentences I want to read from the Bible exposition commentary on these scriptures. What it says about these scriptures. Just a couple sentences. When you lived in a place for 40 years, how do you go about packing up and moving elsewhere, especially when you're going to a place of danger? So... When Moses fled Egypt as a bold and possibly overconfident young man to Midian, God humbled him as he served as a shepherd in preparation for his later call to lead his people, no doubt. But Moses got too comfortable. Forty years in Midian, you, 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 you probably got a home. Of course, we know he had a wife. Um, um, probably his, he had land, he had things he was doing, he had things going on. You know, he got comfortable. And he was praying to God. He was, you know, being, but, you know, 40 years in one spot. And all of a sudden you want to meet him just up and take off. That's going to that's gonna rock anybody. Um, it brings me back to the, the job. I had two jobs ago. I had, I was there 19 and a half years. Trying to leave wasn't easy. And I know I wanted to and I know I needed to. And the Lord told me that I needed to start looking. Well, he didn't say it in an audible voice, but, you know, put it in my heart that there was different, there was more for me. And I just, I denied it and didn't listen to it. And of course, that went kind of interesting, you know, but I got, I got, I got moved on anyway, <laughs> but I didn't do it when six months prior to when I was supposed to, because you could, that was only 19 and a half years, 40, 40 years. But yeah, he got too comfortable. We as believers, Christians all can get, have gotten too, we got too comfortable at times. 
we, we, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's a human nature to just have a tendency to fall into the routine and, you know, this is, this is what I'm good with. This is what I like. You know, this is, I don't, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to have to think about how it's going to happen later on if I don't do this. And, you know, and we're creatures of habit, but that's, it's too comfortable. It's too comfortable. And Moses got too comfortable. But I love the Lord didn't care. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna put you on the spot. I'm still gonna use you. You know. He knew Moses was a, a humble man of God. He was meek. He admired him for that. But he also knew that he was comfortable when he went. When you know, he already knew that beforehand. But he's, you know, that's the, the the beauty of it. You know, God does the um, uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And he takes this man who, who of course is not ready to go, and you're gonna go. Interesting. Not saying that comfort at times is bad. You know, it's not, it's not bad that we have some comforts in life, but comfort doesn't apply in some areas. <laughs> it's okay to enjoy your natural life and do some things that we enjoy or even just take some time to rest. Rest is very important, you know. So if you're resting some in Him, even just taking some time out of your week and you're comfortable doing it, it's okay to be comfortable resting and meditating and thinking, you know. But I don't believe God can, you know, but wait, wait. But when we get too comfortable in any area of our life, usually when we do, we commit ourselves to that way. So when you get too comfortable, you commit yourself to that way. That's the norm. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I haven't, like, I, I, haven't, I haven't been working since September, you know, and I'm, I'm working on that, that was either way. But I've even noticed myself, when you don't go to work every day for almost a year, you have a tendency to just do things a little bit different at least I do you know they don't that urgency is not there because you don't have that but of course you still do stuff but you just naturally fall into the the the, the zone that you're in you fall into it you know I have anyway you know I you know it's just what it is you know um yeah we can get we can usually if we get too comfortable usually we commit ourselves to that way we box ourselves in to preserve that comfort we, we start to box we start to box ourselves in, we put ourselves in a box because I don't want to step out of this comfort. That's where you know, our comfort zone comes from. We build that. We, we, we dictate the, the borders of our comfort zone. I don't believe God that can be put in a box quite often. Sometimes you'll hear, oh, the person's trying to put God in a box, and I understand the theory in it, the, the idea behind it, but I don't believe God can be put in a box, but rather we box ourselves in with our lack of knowledge, limited thoughts of his ability, limited thoughts of his power, even just our desire to have it our own way, despite his truth, and we leave God outside the box. You know, I, yeah, that's how I, I believe we box him out. We, God, will, God can never be put in a box. We can, if we put him in a, if we try to put him in a box, it still doesn't, it doesn't he's not there. He's not in that box because he couldn't possibly fit there. And all we've done, essentially done is boxed ourselves in and left him out. Um, however, when God talks to us, calls us, leads us to something, I dare say it is never comfortable. It can be downright fearful. And I believe Moses was feeling that and trying to cling to his box called Midian. He was trying to cling to his box called Midian. Okay, Lord, I understand what you're saying, but, and, and, I, and I trust you, and you're, and you're my God, and, but leave me in my box and use somebody else. Right. Or, or could, you, could you use me inside my box? You know, I, you know it's paraphrasing, but I believe, all, you know, be, imagine being Moses with that request. All kinds of things would be going through your head. You know, yeah. And Lord was outside of his box. Well, this is what I want. This is the way it's going to go, you know. Let's go over, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to miss something here. I'll check it out quick. 
Yeah, I had a little uh, hiccup with my word earlier, and I lost some stuff. However, God, you're trying to cling to. Yeah, right. That's good. That's right. I believe, yeah, I believe he was trying to cling to his box. Yeah, let's go over to Acts 22, 1 through 10. See a little bit more about boxes and discomfort. Praise the Lord. Thanks. I hope this is good. I hope it's getting some stuff. Acts 22, 1 through 10. We're going to leave Moses alone for a while. We were not bashing Moses. Just, uh, I mean, the God, God has given us his word to, to show us principles and teach lessons. And, and I want to make sure I get that lesson loud and clear that Moses was still an amazing man of God that did way more than I ever did. <laughs> God probably, probably you know, for what he was called to do. Acts 22. And that's just touching on him calling him. That's not even getting into the whole process. You know, we'll get into that. Um, where was I? Acts 22, 1 through 10. No, I'm not an ex. Brethren and Father. Yeah. Brethren and fathers, hear me, hear my defense. This is uh, Paul standing in defense of what the life he had lived before his road to Damascus, transformation. Brethren and fathers, hear me, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Silica or Cecilia, whatever, but <laughs> brought to the city at the feet of, brought to this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women as also the high priest bears my witness in all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring into chains, even those who were to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And and those would I go to ten? Yeah. And those who were afraid saw the light were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed to you to do. So, we all know this account. Um, a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and where he came from before that. Um, Well, I want to just, okay, we read, I want to just touch on three messages, or verses three through five again quick after reading all that. I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you are today. I persecuted in this way to death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Um, Paul, was, Paul uh, was living in a box as well. And his box started with his childhood, his education, his training. His box was built by where he came from, 
what he was taught, um, what he was to believe, and he ate it up. We know that he was he was good at what he he was good at his his education. He was he was good at what he did too, even though it wasn't desirable for anybody else. But he was good at it. He he. But that's where his box his he was living in a box that started with his childhood, where he lived, his geography, where he lived, the belief system, the people he was trained under, the uh, how we were raised, and family activities, family traditions. Education, experience are big way people end up boxed in, and and we all we all can attest to that. I believe even the youngest of people can say can recognize things in their upbringing that define them or could define them. You know, of course, we who have been around a little bit longer have more more more. You know, and you take somebody who has been raised in the church and raised under the word, of course, that defines them more. But I wasn't raised that way. I was raised with no church, you know. So a lot of who I was before I came was defined by what my family did, how we thought, how we believed, you know. But that's the same thing with Paul here, or Saul, before he was Paul. He was, his box was starting to be constructed by how he was raised. He wasn't necessarily doing it, but when your box is being built by that stuff, you're going to get to a point where you've got to get out of it and you're not going to want to. And I don't think Paul, like Moses, was ever cruising around. Let's go find some Christians to get in there. But, but one day the Lord is going to change me. He, he wasn't thinking it. Never had any origin in his mind. Never. He was going to live in that box, believing he was doing right by the Lord for the rest of his life. Personalities are another, another thing that can uh, um, build, a, uh, build a safe box. You know, um, a personality is, uh, we all have them. I think, I believe God created a certain personality in all of us. And when which, when which yielded to him will be used for his purposes. We all have different personalities. Josh is stoic. <laughs> you know, we all have other. Mark is young and <laughs> bold and fiery at times, you know. We all, I was the same way, you know. We, you know, I'm, I'm not picking on him, but God has created all those in us, he cre- and he and he has intentions to use them for for certain things. Um, he doesn't he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to use that personality, but but I believe that he has purposes. But what God has for us to do is not constructed around ensuring our personality is comfortable. That's it. We all have personalities. He can use them. He can he can use them. He can direct us. He can he can he can show us things that we need to do that are conducive, but we can't, he's not ever going to construct it around your, your personality to be comfortable. Like Josh, he's, he, sometimes he's going to put you out of your, your, your stoic element and you're going to be like, oh, that's God and, and this isn't me, but what do I choose, me or God? I've been there so many times just in the you know, last eight, eight, nine years I've been serving the Lord. I've been there so many times. It's like I've finally gotten to myself, well, I, I feel it every time, but okay, okay, let's do this. Do it to me again. You know, I, I, you know, I want it because if I don't keep having it, it'd be like, It'll be like knowing God's all of God's plan, and I'm just going to go do it and put him up. Keeps him in the picture, and that's who I want in the picture all the time. Praise the Lord. Um, when God called, let's see, Acts, so let's go, I read all those 1 to 10, but let's go to 6 through 8, Acts 22, 6 through 8, and reread that. Okay. I've got the staple on my papers today. <laughs> um, now it happened, as I journeyed and came near Damascus, at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to me, 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were around me, or who were with me, indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus, and where you will be told all the things which you are appointed to do. When God calls on something to, on, us, on us to do something, none of our stuff matters, our personality, our upbringing, our education, experiences, all these things are not qualifiers. God doesn't, doesn't consider them. And in Paul's case, Jesus shattered his box. He shattered it. He knocked him to the, he, he shattered his box and knocked him to the ground. And that was probably the only way Paul was ever going to step out of his box. I'm sure that the Lord dealt with him prior to this. Did he hear it? I'm not sure he heard it, or he, he interpreted it maybe in his own, his own upbringing, his own teaching. His own, he was interpreting it that way. But God had to shatter his box and knock him right out of it. And praise God that he did. <laughs> Paul got in line with God's will and plan. <clears throat> and in verse 10, Paul said, What shall I do, Lord? You knew right there he was out of his box. And, and it was time, to, it was time to, to fall in line. Fall in line with what the Lord had. And praise God that he did. Um, 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 Paul entered into God's will, God's purpose, a bit on the uncomfortable side without his sight. So comfort, comfort, comfort is, uh, is not a factor in God's plan either. But I do believe his willingness showed, and Paul knew in his heart, and he had peace in his heart, even amongst this comfort, that, he um, was going to do. He was doing the right thing. Um, hence the name. Come, you know. As I went through this, I didn't even have a name for this until a few minutes before I came out of here. And of course, by peace and discomfort, the Lord will lead us to things, and He'll put He'll 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 put peace in our heart about it, yeah. not peace in our natural no vision about it. But because sometimes, and and it'll come by peace in our heart. We'll know if we know it's God, and we know we're doing it. We'll have peace about it. But it'll come by peace and discomfort. Yeah, Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, we know Paul experienced much discomfort, much discomfort fulfilling the plan of God had for him. You know, if you read on about Paul's life, just starting out without sight was minor compared to all the things he went through, uh, beatings and stonings and shipwrecks and, and just the, the persecutions that he came from. But let's turn to first, Second Timothy 3, 10 through 12. Second Timothy, yeah, Second Timothy 3, 10 through 12. Um, yeah, the more I get this kind of this 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 stuff and the lives of these people into me, the more I get it, the more the more I, I I'm want to be okay with discomfort. I want to be I want to make sure that I'm okay with. And I'm not looking for discomfort. I'm not looking for an awful life. But if God's leading me and there's discomfort there, I'm good. I understand. You know, I'll get more high, deeper understanding. You know, because there's going to be greater on the other side. So Second Timothy three ten through twelve. Second Timothy. Okay, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yeah, he endured all those things, but that journey started on Damascus. The Lord started him there, and he, he said yes. He had peace in his heart, I'm sure, about 
um, following the Lord from that day on. And, of course, it was uncomfortable. There's a lot of discomfort there, but he still says the Lord delivered me out of all of them. You know, so, so <clears throat> um, when we say yes to the leading of God, he is with us. The Lord couldn't have delivered out of all of them if he wasn't walking with him. You know, so he did, so when, we, when we say yes to the leading of the Lord, and we know it's the leading of the Lord, not what's, what's pastor say, pizza or coke the night before, before you went to bed the night before. But when we know it's God, when we know in our hearts, we know in our spirit, it lines up with the word that it's God, then we know he's with us. His grace, his ability, his ability is upon us. His grace is his ability, and that, that ability is upon us when, when, we walk, when we fall in line to his plan. Moses was uncomfortable with the task that God had called him to, but let's go back to Exodus 4, 11 and 12. When we do what God has for us to do, he is with us. Exodus 4, the original scriptures we started, I'm just going to go up here. Yeah. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. See, when the Lord calls us to something, um, he's with us. You know. And then Moses, oh, I can't speak and I can't. What's the Lord saying? You would have a mouth without me. So, so if I if, you know, I, I can control it. I can, I can, I can make it work. I can make it do what it's supposed to, what I want it to do. So yeah, when we, when we, Moses was uncomfortable about the task, but when, when God calls us to something, he's with us. And that's, the, that's what I hope we, get, you know, we all can we get out of this, uh, that no matter what it is we're called to, the Lord is calling us there to do it with us. He's calling it there to use us. So if he's using us, he's directing us, he's controlling us. Of course, we have to yield or we won't be controlled, but he is with us. He is making the result happen with you or me or Jeff or you know, whoever, he's, you know, if we say yes. Let's jump down to verse 15 and 16 in that same chapter. Um, now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God. Is that where I went to? No, 16, yeah. So again, same idea as the few scriptures up. If God's called you to it, he's going to do it. He's going to be with you. God is, the, God is with us. We follow his plan. If Moses had just said yes, Lord, to the plan to start, God would have been his mouth, even without Aaron. But no, I'm not coming down on Moses because I probably would have needed Aaron too. I might have needed Aaron and the next guy and the next guy before I decided to go see that sweet guy Pharaoh, you know. But you know, I'm not coming. But if he, if Moses would just said, "Yeah," the Lord wouldn't have done anything different. He'd have been with him. He'd have made. He'd have made his mouth move. He'd have, he'd have said, put in him what he wanted. He would have taught him what he needed to do. It would have been all clear. As when we seek the Lord for the plan He's given us, He gives us more details. He keeps us going. Um, and we need that because he only gives us a step at a time. He won't give it all to us. <clears throat> I don't believe many of us here would have wanted to get on Pharaoh's bad side either. I know I wouldn't have. I just, no, I wouldn't. They weren't, they weren't chintzy on their handing out pain and suffering, you know. So, <laughs> and of course, Moses knew that. He was raised there, you know, before he took off, you know. 
wanting to be loyal to his people, not, not known as Egyptian. Um, we do know how that turned out, though. Moses resisted some. With, and with Aaron as a minor accommodation on God's part, God's presence, power, and ability was with Moses through the Exodus. You know, Moses put up a little bit of a stink. Could it be humility? Could it have been fear? I think it was a little bit of both, a little more fear, because he knew it's God. But anyway, with Aaron, like God just used a little, made a little minor accommodation. Your brother's coming out. We're going to go you through him. Moses said, okay, let's do this. Hoorah, we know what happened. And then, you know, we can read the whole story of Exodus. Exodus, I recommend doing that a couple times a year. It's just incredible, you know, as well as everything, you know, wherever God leads you. I believe if we are willing to say yes when God leads us into something, that he will accommodate for our shortcomings. You know, that's what he did for, for Moses. Moses very well. Like I say, he eloquently delivered a speech on how not eloquent he was, but I didn't know Moses. He may very well, you know, had that issue with speaking or whatnot, but God didn't care. He, he, uh, he made accommodations for those shortcomings and said, okay, Moses, we're still going to do this. Faith and willingness to obey accesses, accesses his ability and his resources. What resources does God have? All of them. He, every resource there is, he has them all. In abundance, in overflow, they never run out. So when we, when we get in line with him, we can guarantee that every resource that we need will be there. We won't necessarily get all of them, but only the ones we need, because, and he has them, believe it. He has all, all of them. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Now, who would be the greatest example of pressing through uncomfortable situations to be in the will of God. Jesus, of course. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our number one. Um, not to say that these men weren't valuable in, in, in showing us things, but Jesus is the man. He is, he is the Lord. He is the best example we have. He came to this earth specifically to be that example for us, to show us how to overcome the world because he had already overcome it. Um, <clears throat> he's our greatest. Um, Jesus is our greatest example ever in all things. And he does all things good, we know the Bible says. So um, let's go to Matthew 26, 37 through 39. I don't know what time I got here. Oh, I'm doing pretty bad. <laughs> um, Matthew 26, 37 through 39. Praise the Lord. Starting in 37. Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took, no, maybe not. 37. Yeah. Yeah. That was just starting 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over here. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We, of course, know this uh, a time that Jesus was in the garden before, of course, his crucifixion. He knew it was coming. <laughs> but Jesus knew uncomfortable. You know, if we need an example of how to, how to get through uncomfortable, there's just one short line there that sums it all up. But Jesus knew uncomfortable. He knew what I don't want to do that felt like. Um, 
he also knew the will of the Father. He also knew the will of the Father yields the greatest reward and the best result. And that's where we get, not at, but nonetheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's the best example we can have. It's telling you in discomfort, the Father's will is still the best. Um, dying as a Savior is a discomfort that we will never experience. <laughs> dying as he did, we will never experience. I'm, I can't say that somebody couldn't be mar martyred, but it would never be that. We'll, there, there was only one Savior that was ever going to experience it, and that was a discomfort. No one else will ever experience it, but I believe Jesus went through some discomforts that are similar to such that we can experience. I mean, aside from that one, I believe Jesus had a lot of discomforts. He didn't walk through life controlled by discomforts, but he was tempted in all points as we were. He experienced everything that we ever experienced. He just didn't show it. Did, he took it to the Father. He connected to the Father. He, his Father, you know, but he, but he, 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 he did go through some discomforts, I'm sure, that we, we, we can relate to. Let's go to, go to one of those and talk about it a little bit. Let's go to John 9, 6 and 7. I hope I don't go too long. Nine, six, and seven. Maybe I lost part of my sermon for a reason because it's supposed to be shorter. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what we can do here. Nine, six, and seven. When he, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with his saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Siloam. So he went and washed and came back. This explains, the 6 and 7 explains what Jesus did when he healed the blind beggar. We're sure we're familiar with that. Um, if we read the whole chapter, we see that there's a lot going on here. The disciples wondering whose sin created it, caused it. The Pharisees having a fit about Jesus doing work on the Sabbath. And of course, the truth, the real truth of truth of vision and blindness. You know, if we read all of nine, I read all of nine several times too. It was good. But yeah, Jesus was spitting the clay and rubbing it in the blind eyes beggar, in the blind beggar's eyes. That was the process he took naturally that everybody else saw. And doing so, being led by the Spirit and by, by means of the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he was being led by God to do it that way. But imagine, but I imagine that was a bit uncomfortable for even Jesus. People had never seen that thing before. People can respond to all sorts of things, all sorts of ways. Um, in our hyper-hygienic society, could you easily do that? Could you spit on the ground, rub it on your thumbs, and put it over somebody's eyes? Or would you feel like, I know the Lord's telling me to do this, but this is 2023, went through COVID, and there's germs everywhere. You know, would you do? So I, mean, I imagine Jesus was like, these people are going to think I'm nuts. You know, so I'm, there was some discomfort there, but that was the will of the Father, and we know it was because it worked. He, 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 was, he says, of course, he only sees what he does his father. He only sees what he sees his father do. Of course, that created more controversy with the Pharisees because he's saying, oh, you're equal with him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that was, I mean, if we equate what he did there, maybe their culture was a little different, but I still think it was uncomfortable, and it would be today. Um, hopefully, we're not ever, I'm not led to do that anyway, I hope. But if I am and I know it's him, I'm going to do it. But yeah, uh, you know. Um, in our hyper-hygienic society, could you easily do that if God led? How about praying with a stranger or someone you even know or, or laying on hands 
or simply initiating a conversation with someone you have no connection to. Excuse me. Um, this was the life Jesus led. Um, the, what the Father wants when he wants it. Jesus was, that's it. You know, that's, and now, I mean, I believe we all desire to have it too. We won't do it like Jesus, but if we follow his lead, we'll be pretty darn effective. We'll please the Father. That's faith. I'll tell him myself a little bit, examples of using my own family. Um, um, one example was uh, my father and my stepmother. My, my wife and I would go out there frequently and have... You know, once in a while, not frequently, but occasionally go out and have dinner with them and talk. And they're, they're Christians. They go to a little a Methodist church. But we were both being led to pray with them. And being in their 70s, we were both being led to lay hands on them too. But we weren't doing it. And several times, and then finally my wife is the one, of course, she's more spiritual than I am anyways, like, why don't we pray with them? I'm like, you're right. I said, have you been feeling? I'm like, me too. I'm like, it's uncomfortable. And these are people we know. You know, so of course, the next time we were out there, we did. We prayed with them, and we talked about healing. And you know, of course, my my father's experiencing some things. And you know, my wife's like, "Would you like us to? Would you mind if we laid hands on?" Oh, they were all about it. And you know, but it took us to get through some discomfort to do it. But that's how Jesus lived. Jesus wouldn't have missed it. Of course, he was um, had full measure, you know, of the Spirit all the time. But he wouldn't have missed it. But we shouldn't be missing it either. And I did. Another, another, um, another uh, area that I did that was uh, my sister. For years, I mean, her her husband and I were married 17 years, but for many years, my wife and I both noticed a decay in their marriage. But my sister kind of kept herself to her kept to herself. But I was always like, I need to go talk to her. We need to go talk to her for years. I'd say at least five, six years. I got to get some time alone with her and talk to her and see what's going on in her life. Well, I never did. Well, marriage is over. That's my fault. Maybe I may have not. I may have not been the, the the save all, but I could have been the the the, the one who planted. Then someone could have come and watered. But and do I believe um, that it could be completely over? Well, it could be completely over by the nature of things, but. If the Spirit leads more in that situation, I'm purposing to obey immediately. Amen. But for years, for years I said, I need to get... But I'm not going to be condemned for it. You know? um, I'm, I'm, I believe the Lord wanted, wanted me to learn from that. I mean, he wanted me to react quicker, but he, I think, believe he also wants other people to, understand, to learn from that situation too. But yeah, that, that marriage is probably over, unfortunately. Um, but... It definitely puts a, a requirement on my plate to, to be better at listening. And, and, and the th not even listening. I knew. I heard loud and clear to better on acting. But that's the discomfort. Why do you go to somebody, even somebody you know, you can't even go to them and start, you know, to help them try to figure out what's going on, you know. Um, God, when God leads, we need to embrace it, uncomfortable or not. That is faith. Believing he is who he is and that he will, with full assurance, act accordingly, that he will do what he says, be all that he, he, is, that, that he is in your situation in life. We need to embrace it. We need to realize if he called it there, he's going to be everything we need. And he's calling it there because he knows all about it. He knew about it before you did. That's why he had to tell you to go do something about it. You know, you know. So yeah, we just need to embrace it. We need to just get. It's simple. Prep, get better. Just get better at it. You know, and like I said, no rebukes. 
we're all in the same place. We're all trying to be, you know, as close and, and willing and obedient to God as we can, you know, and that's just, just the way it is. Pastor Renee said something last week in Sunday service I truly appreciated. Um, it went something like this. Many Christians keep their callings, leadings, and ministries within the four walls of the church. And of course, there's no judgment there. She made this statement, and it's true. And, 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 and a four walls, a floor, and a roof sounds a lot like a box to me. It's just another way we keep ourselves in a box. Let's stay in our church. It's comfortable. We come. We worship. We appreciate the fellow brethren. We love our pastors. Go home. <laughs> no. No. But, but she, when she said that, it was, it's true. It's like a it looks like another box. Now, of course, this place doesn't have four walls, but it still could be a box. You could put... You could put a clock in it or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, going to church and being planted in a local church is incredibly important. Our church is the most important thing you can do in your week. If you're going to go anywhere, it's certainly probably the most important place you can go. If you're going to do anything, any, everything we do in our week, when we come here, I, I, you, you can guarantee it's the most important. It's, it, yeah. But, you know, so I'm not saying the church is bad. The church is the, the best. Truth, um, of course, you know, yeah, it's the most important place you can go. Truth is, many are being led by the Spirit to, of God to, to a church. Not just this church, but this church is without a doubt included. This church and all the other churches, people are being led to them. Amen. And, you know, so, so t going to a church isn't bad, but fear, uncertainty, and, wait, let's see, but fear, uncertainty, stand in the way. First step to come in is uncomfortable. First time I came to the church in the storefront, maybe it was uncomfortable. And some of the stuff I saw was very uncomfortable. But, you know, if I didn't come over, overcome that comfort, I wouldn't be in the place that I am now, which is not very f much farther than I was, but a lot farther than where I was, and a lot farther than where I was, you know? You know, you look at it in perspective. I didn't come very far, but if I'm not where I was, I'm a, I'm a far ahead of where I was, you know? And I'm going farther and further and further, you know? But, yeah, so the church is a wonderful thing. Um, I, I did look up comfortable, just for fun, I guess. Providing physical ease and relaxation. We all want comfortable. And I believe that relaxation, it says physical ease, but I believe relaxation is physical and mental. We yes. want things to be easy mentally, easy physically. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to work. We don't want to work hard at it. It's easy to come and sit in church and get excited and go home. Um, valuing your church, being a part of your church, serving in your church is necessary. It's, 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 it's essential. We know, and we can just pull this up, Ephesians 4.11. And, uh, and he himself gave to some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. I didn't put 12 on there, did I? Did I put 12 on there too? Or can you go to it? Or maybe not. But we know if we continue to read, it's for the building up of the body, the edifying the saints, equipping the saints to go do the work of the ministry. Uh, you know, I, I must be, I wanted a lot more and my mind didn't think quick as my hand. But anyway, we, yeah, we can go read that. And we know it's to, it's to equip us, to, to train us, to teach us how to go out and do the, uh, um, the work of the ministry. And as Pastor Renee said, many people, Christians, keep their ministry and their gifts and their work within the four walls of the church. There are definitely needs in ministries within the church. There's definitely things that need to be here. We need to come together and there's, just being together is a, is, a, is a ministry that we do for each other. We support each other, you know. What you call it, I don't know. Uh, edifying the body. Uh, being, being 
walking in love, being connected to your, your church and your body. Yeah. Um, let's go to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. I'm almost done here. I got what, eight. Is that eight minutes I got? Yeah. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We know what this is. It's, if, 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 you know, I wouldn't know it maybe just by this reference, but it's the Great Commission. Uh, Great Commission verses 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, yeah, we get equipped, we get trained for the purpose of going out into the world and, and reaching people and ministering to people. And, and, and coming from experience, that doesn't mean you run out there and start screaming Jesus. Because sometimes they're not ready for it. But you still have to go. And you still have to get them ready. And you, you know, relation building. It's about building relation. And then you get your windows. You get your opportunities to, 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 to give that stuff out, don't you? You get it. It comes. You know. um, there's a greater mission outside of this door. And every door of every church that desires to fulfill the will of God in this earth. There will be peace in your heart with what God calls us to. If he calls it to you, there will be peace in your heart if you know it's him. But his leading will take you out of your comfort zone. I want to go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We'll just pull that up. You don't have to necessarily go there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. He's first. He's the guide. He's the director, and your path is laid out for you by him. You just follow, you just got to follow it. And it might be one step at a time, but if he puts that one step out there and you go to it, you know you're in the right place. And if you stand there for a month because he doesn't give you another one, then you're fine. Or if you feel led in a direction, go that way, because sometimes when we go, that that foot will drop. That, that footstep will be there because we have to walk into it. But he he'll direct your path. If we acknowledge him in all our ways, and that's a very popular scripture with Pastor Jeff, of course, and I, don't, I, I see why. It sums up a lot of things. I got about five minutes. I just wanted to just go into a few things that I know I've experienced as far as being led in a couple of different situations that were kind of uncomfortable, but I did it anyway, and it, it had an interesting result. Um, I was dropping Zyron off at daycare one day, and... I saw a gentleman, a guy, walking up the street. I had met him one time. Prior to meeting him, I found out later that he was a heroin addict. And I know other people were connected to him and know him, so I know that's the truth. Um, I've heard some about his record, but after I dropped Zyron off, I'm like, I gotta go follow that guy. I was just, just up a street in James and I don't even know why I'm following him, but I, I have this desire to, contact, to come in contact with him for some reason. Whether it to be high, I just I, I've got that, that that leading in my heart to just get in contact with it. Uncomfortable because I don't know what I'm going to say, and I've seen him at various times, and I've seen other heroin addicts at various times, and they're not quite necessarily approachable sometimes. But I know I felt like it, so I drop Zyron off, head back up the street. I'm going, and I can't see him, I can't find him, so I just keep going, um, and then I turn left at a light. 
takes me over to another road, and as I come to a stop sign, there's this young woman sitting on the curb. She has all her bags. She's crying. She's distressed. She's messed up. She's kicking things and throwing her stuff around. She's dirty and messed. And, and I was, I'm like, hmm, what do I do now? I immediately was like, well, I forgot about <laughs> that guy I was chasing. Think, I didn't even know if it was him. I just, I gotta go and see if it was him. So I, looked, so I immediately stopped and I'm like, I call my wife at work. I'm like, she's like, what's up? I'm like, she could tell I was kind of visibly, she, she said I was crying. I don't think I was crying, but I felt that moved. And when, um, and, and I, of course, I don't think I have the compassion of Jesus necessarily, but I felt like that was when he had compassion for the people. That's what I felt. I almost felt like that. But I, I called my wife. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? It's a young woman. She's not really dressed completely appropriately. I don't want to approach her. But is there somebody we can get a hold of? And immediately, I kind of gave her an idea because we talked to somebody from Family Church Jamestown who has different desires too. But, but I, I got a hold of this person on Messenger. I'm like, I just ran into so-and-so. This, there's this girl down here, and she needs help. I don't know what she needs. I don't know if she needs a ride. I don't know if she needs someone to talk to. But she looks incredibly tormented and this person's like well where are they and I told them and I was following her like three two blocks away just watching her because she was moving but she was drop her stuff she couldn't carry and that's another thing if you see some people that are tormented and living in rough life especially in our town they have everything with them if they go from this place to this place they have everything clothes whatever they can carry you know and they're hauling it shopping cars dollies whatever but I got a hold of this person and she's like well I'll, I'll go by and then she got back a hold of me and she said, I didn't see her. I'm like, well, where are you now? She's like, I just swung back around. I'm like, come right back to this street. And she's right in front of me. So she pulls up next to me and she's like, I don't see her, I don't see her. And I'm like, like right there. So she goes to her and she gets out and she's like, wait, don't go nowhere. I said, I didn't plan on going anywhere. But she went over and she talked to her a little bit and she apparently asked her, you know, she didn't need a ride. So she said, I'm gonna give her a ride across town. She said something about hoping to see her dad or whatnot, but she, I ended up following her and then she dropped her off at a corner. And of course I left, I didn't sit there. She didn't leave the corner right away. And I talked to this person, she's like, I apologize. I said, I didn't know what else to do. I just, you know, I knew this person needed something. She said she was very, in a very bad place. And, and she said, no problem, you know, if, if, if God wants to interrupt my day to do something like that, then so praise the Lord, that's all that led to that and she of course said how well would, what kind of state was she? she she was like talking to herself and she, you know so she was influenced by something but but anyway we haven't seen her again never seen her anywhere but that doesn't matter i feel as though why would i intentionally be led to follow some lead and then i don't find that lead and i turn and like it's like i turn and I come to a stop sign and right there in the curb in front of me is this you know but praise god for that i believe god had something in it you know I don't believe she was able to talk about Jesus or anything, but relation was built there. And this, the one thing that she did tell me was this girl said, people don't do this for me. And you know what? My wife and I talked about too. A lot of them say that. People don't do this because they, sometimes they just pawn it off. But the fact that they say it, they know. They know in their heart. Um, got like a one more minute too. Um, then there was another situation I talked. I met this guy last year down there. His, you know, his name is Dave. He was an interesting guy. I met him in an interesting state. He rides a bike. He was pretty inebriated on alcohol. But he took a liking to me for the few minutes. Well, I hadn't seen him in over a year. I was crossing a bridge in Jamestown the other day, and I saw him, and I said immediately remembered his name. I said, hey, Dave. He's like, hey. He's like, hey, how's it going? I didn't think he remembered me. He was completely sober that day, but he's like, 
I met you last year, remember? She said, oh yeah, you were a really nice guy. He said, I appreciated you talking to me. And that's all I did. And of course, I'm not saying any of this to build myself up because I don't, who wants to do this stuff? I, I, it's the Lord put this on. The Lord, this is all the Lord when I, when I do this stuff because it's just, it's been the lady. But anyway, I talked to him for a few minutes. Talking about his bike, I said, well, I'm going to head back. And he said, well, I'll walk down with you. Well, we walked down around the bridge, and we sat at a table. I ended up talking to him for an hour and a half because he just wanted to keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. I had that time to spare, but I didn't want to do it. I had been out about talking to people and doing things, and I was like, I'm going to go home and do something. It was uncomfortable, but I did it. And he left a joyful man, and we, you know, we didn't, of course, talk about... You know, I couldn't get the gospel into him because I didn't have that window, but he, he just wanted to talk and talk and, and tell me his life. And, and, and it was just, you know, just if we just, not that we don't, but if we just take those times when it's uncomfortable and be like, well, I just got to do this. I know this is the Lord telling me. I know it. I know it. You know, if it's, if, it's, if it's not and nothing comes out of it, okay, then, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe it was me. But if we just take those chances um, and embrace the discomfort sometimes because so much comes out of it and we've seen so many people go through the Bible and I'm out of time <laughs> in discomfort but they followed the will of the Lord they followed his plan he was with them and there was results and who knows if there will be any results in those things that I've told you of course I did relay that one thing the other week when Pastor Jeff had me get up here you know that was uncomfortable I could have just went home after the first encounter but the Lord had me down there and you know that produced but praise God for it anyway we give all the glory to God for everything he says.